Hello there and welcome to Two Beers, Please. This is Yannick talking. We got Matt on the line as well today. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jan? I'm doing okay. It's hot. I'm back in the city and it's hot. Uh, I've I'm heard sweating. I've heard it's rough. It's I'm I'm constantly at a at a well done temperature. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm constantly well done. I <laughs> there's no I pink. Like, I don't like myself or my steaks being well done. Exactly. I'm far too dry. Uh, tough to chew. It's not fun. Um, <laughs> tough, tough to chew. Tough to chew. Oh man, it's just not a good. It's not a good meal. It's not a good meal. No. No, but yeah, it is toasty. It's toasty in the city, and uh, if you've ever lived in a city of any kind, you know, and you don't have an AC in one of the rooms, it's bad. The good thing is I moved my AC uh, from the living room to my bedroom, so now I can sleep, right? Because back out here, I'm miserable, but like sleeping when you can't even breathe is- Well, yeah. It's hard. Like truthfully, there's there's only so many clothes you can take off before right. it's just like I'm sweating in my skin and that's it. I would I would much rather be like freezing cold <clears throat> and trying to sleep than like too hot. Like too hot, like freezing cold like I feel like eventually I like I mean normally you can pile on a bunch of stuff anyway and like find a way. Right. But, like, when you're too hot, there's there's only so much you can do. Yeah, because you're like, I want to fall asleep, but I'm choking on my own sweat. So what do I do? <laughs> it's not a good combination. Not uh, ideal. Not ideal. Uh, so this is actually a special episode of Two Beers, Please. And we're going to do these uh, more often, but uh, it kind of deviates from the norm. And we're going to call these episodes On Tap. So we let the beer flow, focus on one particular topic. It's going to be shorter episodes, and it's going to be very situational based on what's going on in the world of sports. For example, our topic today about the recently ended Premier League. Obviously, the Premier League had to end for us to have this. So that is what we are doing. So yeah, welcome. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. Welcome. Bittersweet on tap today. Bittersweet on tap. The on tap, it's, we we, we feel iffy about it. That's where we are. But welcome to on tap. I should have been drinking a bittersweet beer. Ooh, what are you drinking today? Give me, give me what you're drinking. Uh, London's Pride. London's Pride. I was like, it's got like, to be your, yeah, London Pride uh, Fuller's. I've never had it before. Um, Fulham. And uh, <laughs> uh, I figured I had to have an English beer. That's fair. That's fair. I did not have that same. Um, I did not have that same. I'm checking how the Fulham game because Fulham is. Playing tomorrow. That's what it yeah, is. They yeah, they play tomorrow. They play tomorrow. But yeah, um, I was going to say, if you're playing while they're drinking, that's got to be good luck for somebody. Um, yeah, I am drinking a Modelo Especial, uh, a beer I really do like. I like their commercials. Uh, they always make me feel pretty badass. It's just enough patriotic to be like, hell yeah, and not too much that it feels like a Donald Trump commercial. So I'm like real into it. I'm real into it. <laughs> They're always they're always so inspiring too. I have right. like, like you have two fighter Amanda Nunez and like Amanda Nunez does not drink like beer. Like why are not you showing single. people that I know don't drink beer? But they're still inspiring and I love a Modelo. Right, and they've got that classic theme song. You know the yeah, it's great. Oh, you're ready, boy. To, you're ready to just drink a Modelo and I don't make a mark on the world. I guess yeah. 
I'm ready to drink a Modelo and take a penalty kick. That is what I am ready to do. Um, yeah, not like Kendall Watson last night for the MC Cincinnati. He just blazed his over. Not that kind of penalty. Um, but definitely like an Erickson penalty. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. All right. So in this on tap, we're just recapping the 2019-2020 Premier League season. Obviously came to an end this past Sunday. Um and an exciting season. I mean, who would have thought with Liverpool being so far ahead that we still have so much to watch uh, post-coronavirus break. Uh, but so much was decided on the last day, even if it wasn't the title. So what did you think about the season, Matt? How did you feel? It was it was a good one. Obviously, obviously a very weird one. Um, even just like in how some of the like teams played and stuff, it almost felt like like two different seasons. Um like, not that Liverpool played bad, but, like, they certainly weren't the dominant team they were uh, before the, the break. So it kind of was – it was an odd, odd weird, like, thing just with that going on and, and having the kind of the break and everything. But uh, it was a good season. A lot of drama. A lot of drama from the top to the bottom. We will start at the top since you brought up Liverpool already. Obviously, won the league with a billion jillion games to go. Uh, they do finish shy of the Man City records they were trying to hit. Um, so how do, how do you what do you think about this Liverpool team? Right, like there is the sense among a lot of people that last year's Liverpool team was better, but this year's Liverpool team won the league. So how do you kind of rate this year's Liverpool championship team? And now that you know they did have this kind of slide towards the end of the year, where do you rank them among you know history's Premier League winners? Because they did, I mean, they did have so many points and so many goals and were very dominant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it'd be interesting to compare the two teams. I think, because I think for a Liverpool fan, I mean, like, Champions League, you know, is what, I, like, the end-all be-all, I think. But right. they've they've won a Champions League in the last 15 years. Um, it, they'd never technically won the Premier League. So I think for, like, a Liverpool fan, this would mean more. You know, I... They certainly had the chance, I think, to be the best Premier League team. I don't think I, I give them that now. Um, they're certainly one of the best, um, and they ran away with the league. But I think at the same time, it wasn't like United and Arsenal weren't the title contenders that they've been in the past. Uh, even Chelsea's kind of in a bit of a flux. Um, maybe one thing you could say that like is in their favor is teams like Leicester and Wolves and, and Sheffield had – some of their best seasons historically. Um, So maybe there was more parity from top to bottom in the premier league for them to compete with. But I don't think there was that usual, like, Oh, there's these several teams who are like really, really good. Like, I mean, right from the start, I think we all thought it was going to be city or Liverpool. Um, And if anyone else would have really competed, it would have been more just a, a big surprise and like, credit to them for even being in the same breath as Liverpool and City. So I think they're one of the best. Um, I'm not going to give them the best, but I think they're right up there with with the Invincibles of, of Arsenal in 2004, Chelsea in 05, take your pick of United in, in 08 or 99. Not as dominant in the league for those United teams, but anytime you win the treble um, in the Champions League like they did in those years, it's a credit to the team. Um so yeah, I think I think they're right up there with some of the best Premier League teams. I think they they didn't they missed their chance to really be like, yes, that was 
the best Premier League team I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. I <clears throat> That's so funny. I rank them like sixth. I'm going to rank them sixth in history. They're great. Don't get me wrong. Being sixth out of all the years of Premier League, obviously an accomplishment in itself. But, you know, I like to point out to two things when I'm thinking of the best team to ever, right? Okay, so when I'm talking about the Bundesliga, right? Let's talk about the best teams, the best teams to ever win the Bundesliga. Like you have the 74 to 78 Bayern Munich that won the treble more than once and, you know, dominated across Europe, yada, yada, yada. And then the next best team I would say would be the 2013 team that won the treble, not because they won the treble, but because Dortmund was super, super um, great that year. I mean, they were amazing. They had Lewandowski in his prime young form who schlacked Real Madrid to get to the final of the Champions League. You had Dortmund kind of competing the whole way. And so I do look at the competitors as a main sense. And Schalke was also great that year, as well as Wolfsburg. So I think, you know, you look at the competitors that are also in the league that they had to beat. And I think you also look at, you know, what... You know, you have to have a benchmark of your team. Like, what records did they set? You, you talked about the Invincibles. They're the Invincibles for a reason, right? They did not lose a game. You have Chelsea in 2004. You know, they conceded 15 goals. That is that is a team that deserves, like, a top five ranking, you know? 25 clean sheets. Man United winning the treble in 99 with that great, great team. I even put the 2008 Manchester United team ahead of them, too, uh, simply because of just how crazy the competitive that league was that year. I mean, Arsenal was amazing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just so many teams were Chelsea amazing that year and amazing. they still battled it out. Chelsea was the other team. Yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea both was amazing. who man who played in the Champions League final. Yeah. I, I, right. I, I agree. Yeah. And then, and then I'm even putting the Man City 2017 18 over them, just all the records they set, just how dominant that team was. You know, David Silva in his prime as well. So I, I, I put them six. They're definitely great. They're not the most – they had the chance to be. If they came out of coronavirus, you know, beat everybody and then went into the Man City game afterwards and schlacked them too and won out or even like mostly won out, I mean, th- then we're talking, you know, top three for sure. But they didn't. And, and you know, that's not their fault. They won it really, really ahead of time. But, like, can we be honest? As a Manchester United fan, you can can you be honest with me? I think for the most part – 70 points is what usually gets you Champions League in the Premier League. And Man United finished third and only had 66. So it's kind of yeah. like, what can you say about the level of competition? Like, yes, you had Leicester having a good season and you had Wolves, but that was at the expense of all the other usually great teams, Tottenham and Arsenal and Chelsea for the most part until the end, you know, also kind of not being really competitive. So I definitely well, think it's... I think too, it's like with that parody, the question sometimes with, with parody is, is it... Wolves and Sheffield, I mean, not taking anything away from them. They all play great. But is it more to do with them elevating their play and them playing better? Or is it the fact that United and Arsenal and and the usual suspects aren't who they normally are? You know, is that parity just because the team's elevating? Or are the other teams just not what they're playing up to their normal ability? Right. And I definitely think it's the latter. And of course, it's it's to be seen, right? You have Mourinho... In his first year at Spurs, you have Frank Lampard still trying to figure out Chelsea. Um, you have Leicester trying to figure out what the next move is, and they're still relying on Jamie Vardy, who, I mean, amazing season, don't get me wrong, but, you know, they're still trying to find their identity post them winning the Premier League even. Since then, they've not really been able to 
find their identity, uh, in my opinion. And Arsenal, obviously, under Arteta, still trying to find their identity. So just a lot of teams in flux all at the same time. Even Manchester United, you could say, is in that conversation. They obviously found a little bit more stability towards the end. Um, but just a lot of teams in kind of transition mode. Uh, so I think that... And Liverpool usually is in transition mode, but had their shit together when everyone else didn't. So I definitely think that it's more of a result of that. Uh, and to go into my next question, you know, will they be as dominant next season? What do you think? Do you think... I mean, all these teams are growing. They're not declining for the most part. I think Leicester might decline, but other than that, I think most of the teams are figuring their stuff out. So how dominant will Liverpool be? How dominant do you expect them to be? You know, I think, and that even goes off to like what we were just saying of like, like the United in 08, they didn't have quite the dominant season. And so I think that's something that that does like hurt Liverpool of like, because most dominant team and, and best team ever are kind of two different questions um mm-hmm. so i don't think they're going to be as dominant next year because i agree i, I like i see improvements across the, bo- the board as far as the competition goes um like this team too also just i think after winning the champions league they were they were on a high they were very focused you know this goal of of winning the premier league finally for liverpool was was really all that they cared about this year um, and I think they came in just laser focused this year um, and, and just, you know, feeling good about them. I mean, they were champions of Europe, obviously feeling very good about their ability and their their chances to beat anybody. Um, so I think it, we even saw that kind of fall off, that laser focus fall off after the break. Um, they weren't the same. We're going to run you for 90 minutes and score and you're not going to score on, on us at all. Uh, it kind of it kind of wavered once they I think knew they had it. So I don't see them being able to come into next year with that same kind of just like mentality that they had. Um, so I think that's going to hurt them. And then yeah, I just think teams are going to get better. I think City is going to figure it out more. United's on the rise. Chelsea's going to get better more with more time with Lampard. Um, Leicester Wolves. Ta- I mean, I just think the teams are going to present a bigger challenge. And it's going to be less of now that the monkey's off their back, so to speak, there's going to be less of like this drive to, to really do it. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that other teams are simply reinforcing or figuring out whatever coaching change they've had. I mean, you see it in the change in the, in Manchester United this year versus last year, Ole got the extra year, figured his team out and they were able to like, you really make steps forward I don't love Mourinho as a coach. I never really have, except for his years at Inter and, of course, at Porto. Um, But I think he's also going to figure out the Spurs in a way that kind of pushes them forward. I think people will be surprised by what Mikel Arteta can do in the offseason for Arsenal. Um, I definitely think they have room to grow despite their kind of disappointing finish. Uh, So, yeah, all the teams are going to get better. Man City, I don't see getting so much better. I think they have some things to figure out, and I think they're in flux as well. But they don't need to, right? They will compete no matter what. If they're at the same level, it's still going to be a problem. I don't think Liverpool is as dominant next season. I definitely agree with that. So let's move move to Man City, right? They dominate the goal tally. 105 goals, and you finish second. That is just crazy. Um, And finish second by 18 points. So what can they do to take the crown back next season? Well, I think, you know, City's, City's one of those teams where it's like, this isn't really a, quite a knock, but 
But when they play lesser teams and they get a lead on lesser teams, they still do a really good job of just like executing and scoring goals. So they have so many of those those goals where it'll be like a 6-0 win against Villa because the game was over at half and like Villa's given up and City's just going to keep on running it and scoring more goals. Um, and like I'm saying, that's not a bad thing, but I think there is – like it's not like they were putting up a ton of goals against the top competition. In fact, I think that's what they need to do better at. Uh, against the top – the other top seven teams in the Premier League this year, they got 19 points – in those 14 matches, less wow. than 50%. Um, so they, ju- they just <clears throat> didn't perform against the better team in, in the Premier League. And it, that's how, I mean, and that goes from Sheffield to, to Lever- Liverpool. Um, or excuse me, not Sheffield, um, Arsenal to Liverpool. Uh, and they went 0-2 against United, 0-2 against Wolves. I mean, this was not United's best year, and they couldn't win one of the derby- derbies, like – Right. Really? Not even not win. They didn't even get a draw. So, like, and that's why I've I've always kind of been my thoughts on Pep is he's he's great at kicking you when you're down and he's got you outmatched. But when they they go up against a team that can kind of play with them a bit, they're not – it's almost two completely different teams. Right, exactly. I, I almost feel, obviously I have some experience watching Bayern play under Guardiola for a couple of years, but I I definitely felt also when he was at Bayern, like if a team allowed us to play like we wanted to, I mean, we would crush them every single time. We would win 9-0 easy, right? But, you know, there is a part of Manchester City's play that is too predictable, it is. And if a team can key on it from the beginning, like these great teams can because they're coached well and they have the right players, it becomes very hard for them. So I definitely think maybe a change in tactics is needed. I also, I mean, their center back situation is a mess. I mean, they're, they're, they, in defense, they looked just all over the place all the time, which is why uh, teams could get behind so easily, even if they were under pressure from the offense. So I definitely think they need some center backs in, or they need to figure out who they like. I mean, Pep Guardiola seems to like, um, oh man, what is his name? This, this, the Spanish sounding name, his name, Eric, Eric Silva. Is that his name? Um, uh, Eric Garcia. That's what it is. He wants to start Eric Garcia every game. He has John Stones on the bench. You have to pick one, right? Eric Garcia is a good young talent, but he, it's not helping, right? And you can't keep saying, oh, this guy has potential. And then your defense isn't playing well and you keep starting him. I, I just think. They need more of a defensive identity. They also need a midfielder. I think an extra midfielder will help them. Not one necessarily to create because they do have Kevin De Bruyne, but I definitely think they need kind of a more balanced midfielder, defensive midfielder to kind of shore up whatever's in front of the defense when they do get count on the counter event, inevitably. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like, they confuse me. Like, sometimes I'm like, are you guys playing FIFA? Because they buy so many great wingers and strikers and all this stuff and like are spoiled for choice almost to the point where they can't use them all and then they don't like focus on I guess the the less glamorous positions and it's like you guys got all the money in the world and right you're not going to get in trouble for using it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think I think they got some questions and it'll be it'll be interesting to see now I mean I think the question for a team like City is you know, they've, they've done it and they've risen to the top. 
They've won the Premier League, and then now they've and they've stayed there for a bit. You know, they've they've won several titles with with guys like Sergio Aguero and David Silva. But it's they're going to have to pass the baton. Um, and when you start losing those kind of players and those kind of talismans, sometimes it's it's tough to to stay up and and keep on winning like you have been. So th- this kind of becomes the next kind of chapter in their you know their echelon of, of a club. Yeah, I thought you were going to say their history, then I would have laughed. Um, so <laughs> only about chapter two. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing: this whole like you know, kind of letting the defense rely on one person is what City does, right? They let. How long did Vincent Company basically hold up that defense with his with his one leg left? I mean, truthfully. <laughs> Like, truthfully, they haven't had a center back since Vincent Company. Truthfully, they haven't had a center defensive mid since Yaya Torre. They just haven't. They don't focus on the areas. They have these one or two players that they know are good kind of try to shore up the defense. And they thought, I think this year, they got Laporte, obviously, and they thought he's going to be the guy. And he was injured, and so they got screwed. And that's just what happened. And so, and Laporte was great when he was there, but you can't rely on one guy. Just like I'm sure you'll be able to tell us, you can't rely on Harry Maguire alone. Like you need, you need more. You, you can't. can't rely on Jerome Boateng alone. He's just, it just happens that way. And yeah, they definitely need to 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 reinvent themselves a little bit. I think if they finish second again by like a, a margin, so not if it's on the last day. Obviously, that's something different. But if they finish second again and don't win the Champions League in the next two years, I think Guardiola's gone. I think that has to be. The mentality, um, because they're that good. They're that good. Right? I think. I think. I mean. I. I like. I. I think the clock's ticking on him already. Yeah, it is. It is. If they can't win the Champions League this year, and then they go into next year, and also can't like compete within two points of the title and make it to the quarterfinals, that's just the goal for them, right? It's the same thing as when he was at Bayern. It wasn't that we weren't winning the domestic double. It wasn't that we weren't competing. It's just we would get to the quarterfinals, and that would be it. And at, at some point, you have to make make the establishment, our team is better than that. And you don't have to be, but you are. So might as well. You have a couple more years with the best midfielder in the world. Make the change, figure it out, win another Champions League before Kevin De Bruyne is out. That's what you have to do. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so third place. I won't do much talking here. I'm going to let you do the talking. <laughs> Manchester United finishing third, best of the rest. Who would have guessed? I mean, how do you feel about the season? I mean, what what and what do they need to do? Obviously, they finished with sixty six points, far below the top two, um, but they do finish top of the of the rest of the pack. And and what do you think they need to do to crack the top two, if that's even possible at this point? Yeah, I mean, as far as who would have guessed, not me. Even I mean, especially like maybe maybe early on in the season, I was optimistic, like at the start of the season, but um, I mean, this team struggled. And, um, I mean, it all comes down really to Bruno Fernandez. We had 34 points after the first 24 matches. After his debut on February 1st, in the last 14 matches, we got 32 points. And, like, in 10 less matches, we almost matched the same point total. Um, And that's how much of an impact he had and how much having, like, that sort of creative midfielder um, in there did for the team. Um, and that, and that, and I think once the kind of post pandemic return came, the rise of Greenwood, 
it because it freed up Martial, it freed up Rashford, Greenwood himself was making an impact. Um, so those two players, I think, for me, are like joint MVP, which is kind of crazy because, like I said, Fernandez was only there for 14 matches in, in the league, but that's how much he impacted it. <laughs> um, I don't mean it's tough to say they're going to be able to compete with the like those two next year. Um, I think we can certainly be a thorn in the side, but I think they got to sign a defender. And I think also not even just for the sake of like helping the team, but I think they need to sign Sancho just to, I mean, it's kind of like when they bought Pogba of just like, sometimes when you buy those players and you use that, that money and stuff, it's, it's more so just being like, yes, we are a power player in European soccer. Like it's not even so much about what the, the player is going to do for you, but like, it, it's just the like perception that you give off to the other teams and to the fans and everything like that. Um, and so I think a signing like that would be huge, especially after like the finish we had, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think we got to get a defender. I think we got to get Sancho because, especially too, that, like the starting eleven that uh, Ole Ole used for most of those games could compete with a lot of teams. Like I think if that eleven could start thirty eight teams and thirty eight games in the Premier League, we might be able to compete with Liverpool and Manchester City. But unfortunately, that's not how it happens. Um, and in both the FA Cup games, the quarterfinal against Norwich. And the semifinal against Chelsea, when Ole had to turn to the bench for some fresh legs, I mean, the quality of the play plummeted. It was uh, the team, I mean, it looked like the team that had been struggling since Ferguson left. Um, and so if they don't get some, some more bench play, if they don't get some more guys that can, you know, really help out, aren't just, you know, a, a body in a kit, then it's, it's, it's not going to mean much because injuries are going to happen. People are going to get tired. Um, and if you can't get some replacements in there that, that can hold it for you, then you're just not going to be out of the quality, especially with other competition. Like, I mean, Manny is a team that wants to compete for the Champions League. They want to win the FA Cup. And if you want to compete in all those different cups, you have to have, uh, you know, the squad to do it. And that's more than just 11 players. Yeah, I agree. Um I do like the signing of Jaden Sancho. Here's the thing. You have Jaden Sancho come into a team, you know, with Anthony Martial, with Mason Greenwood, with Marcus Rashford. Who is the odd man out there? I'd say right now it's Greenwood still. Um, okay. So I think, I mean, I think Greenwood had like, I don't want to say beginner's luck, but sometimes there is that, that young, like when, when Rashford hit the ground running. Um, and we've seen it with young players before too. Sometimes they're just they're like, they're so young. They don't even like think and like, they just go and play and they just play out of their mind for their first initial game. So I don't think like, I think Greenwood is still going to come back. And like, now that there's some expectations on him, um, and teams are going to give him a little more focus. I think he's going to have some bumps as you do. I mean, the guy's 18 years old. Um, so yeah, I think Greenwood would be, would be the odd man out there. So would you start Jaden Sancho on one side and then um, where would you start Marcus Rashford then? Where do you start Marcus Rashford? Do you start I, him in the middle or do you start him on the left? I'd start him on the left. On the left and then Marshall as the nine? Yeah. Okay. See, I see that too. I do think 
if Greenwood can keep going, I think Greenwood replaces Martial. I do think Greenwood has the ability to kind of play a number nine position. And I think he can evolve into that. Um, but I do agree, you know, that is, it, it, it'll be competitive, which is what you want from your, when, from your front three. You want competition. That's why I wasn't mad when Byron side Leroy Sané, even though we have Nabri and Coman, is because, you know, every player doesn't play their best game every day and you have more than one tournament that you have to be tip top for. So I definitely agree. And Jaden Sanchez is a good signing. You we you know Manchester United needs another center back. They really do. Harry Maguire yeah. held the defense on his back, and he did the best he could with also making some mistakes himself. But you know he did the best he could, and he came in. I think you know for a new environment exceeded my expectations at least for what he was going to do and how he was going to shore up the middle there. Um, I also think <clears throat> I'm not sold on Juan Bissaka. I'm really not. I I think. In an emerging wingback world where you have so many exciting and wingbacks that can also defend, I think he's just a little, he's a little, you know, either slow or a little too weak. I can't even tell watching him sometimes because he kind of shows up differently every day. But um, I do think you need an, another wingback to, you know, kind of complement or replace Juan Bissaka. And I mean, it's time to start talking about a new goalkeeper. It's time to start talking about a new goalkeeper. I think. You're crazy if you don't, you know, get Dean Henderson. I think you're crazy if you don't give Dean Henderson the reins. I mean, the guy was phenomenal this year. Yeah. For a team I mean, that I scored think... 39 goals. I, am I wrong? I mean, I don't know why you don't yeah. give him the reins. Oh my, no, I know I, that, I you know, he's well, young. I get it. But I mean, first off, I think you're being too hard on Juan Masaka. 22 years old. It's his first <laughs> season United. I th- I think the di- I think the guy is incredible. I like I'm I'm more than sold on Juan Bissaka. The only thing I want Juan Bissaka to do is stay on his feet a little more. Uh, but sometimes fair. he's but sometimes he's so good at sliding. I'm like ah whatever. But I think Juan Bissaka is perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean I think and I'm not even of the like we, like we already own Dean Henderson. There's no reason like keep them both. Let them compete. Right. Like let let let's see if that maybe would light a fire in Zaya. Get him to get a few more years in there, and you could still have Dean Henderson, or you know, Dean Henderson does take over, and then you've got David De Gea as being more of the cup goalie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll be I'll be extremely upset, especially after you said the, the season that he had. If we don't at least give him a chance to to compete for that starting spot, right? And I just think they have the situation to do it. I and I'm saying. They're not going to lose David De Gea. You know why? Because there's no market for David De Gea. Nobody wants a goalkeeper that has nothing but declined in the last year and a half. So in my head, he becomes a Willy Caballero kind of goalkeeper, you know, a, a kind of obviously solid guy, but not someone you want starting every game. Um, and if he, he becomes he becomes a, Sergio Romero has been for us for the last several years. Exactly. Also, I think Sergio Romero is better than, than David De Gea at many points in his career as well. So I think create some competition. Dean Henderson eventually takes over that position. And David De Gea, I mean, the thing is, and it sucks, but when's the last time you've heard of a goalkeeper declining and then resurging? You don't hear of that. You ha- He might have a good game here or there, fine. But like once a goalkeeper starts declining, it happens quickly and it happens indefinitely. That's why Buffon never declined. You never were like, oh, Buffon's losing it. Like, he just continues to be consistent. Manuel Neuer continues to be consistent. Samer Handanovic until this year 
continues to be consistent. You know, that's the key of goalies. They they don't need a lot of, you know, they have a lot of mileage on them, but as long as they're not declining, they kind of do stay at the same level. But as soon as they do start, it becomes kind of a hill that you can't get back up. Well, I think the question right now too with De Gea is, is, is he declining or does he have the yips? Like, is the guy just like kind of shaking? Like, you know, there's sometimes great hitters just can't go get a hit. Um, so like, is it one of those situations where the guy just needs to get his confidence back, get back to being that goalie, or is he starting to really, because like some of the stuff you're making, I'm like, these are just mental gaffes. Like these aren't like him being like just bad. Like he's just making dumb mistakes. So I think they're like, that's kind of the question I have with it, but either, I mean, either way it's, it's Henderson's job for the future. And there's, there's certainly no question about that. Right. I agree. And I and I just I just don't think some of the decisions have been mental gaffes that just happen. But every time he a ball gets shot right at him, it goes in. And that's not a mental gaffe anymore. That's technique. You know, anytime someone shoots low into the left, it goes in. And that's not a gaffe. That's technique. And I think it becomes I think we've just seen the best that we've ever are going to see of David De Gea. I think it just doesn't get back from here. And he did had some good years, and it's just time for somebody else. That's what I believe. Um, okay, so finishing right underneath Manchester United was Chelsea. Obviously finished top four, but they let in 54 goals. I mean, you can't do that as a top four team. So what do you think of how Lampard did his first, you know, real season that he like seemed like got to institute what I would say his technique? Uh, and you know, what do you think they can do for the future? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I give Frank a thumbs up. You know, it's it's only his second season being a manager. In his first season, he got Derby to the, the league promotion playoff. Um, and at the end of the day, he got Chelsea to the Champions League um, and got him in the FA Cup final. So I think, uh, you know, I think there's certainly room for improvement. But as far as the coaching job goes, I think, I mean – I see, I see Lampard being there for a long, long time as, as the coach of this team. Um, like, Chelsea is another one of those teams where I don't understand some of their, like, signings. Like, I don't know why you're getting Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech when you've kind of already got, like, good players in those positions. Um like I think the midfield needs more help than anything. So hopefully they get Kai Havertz. I mean, hopefully they they don't. Um, but for their sake, <laughs> hopefully they do. Um, and defensively, I, I mean, I think the whole back line. Like I don't think Marcos Alonso and Espeliqueta really complement each other well. Um, so yeah, they're a team that, that like makes some signings that I don't really get, but. They're like City where they've got enough money to, I guess, just keep on buying. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think Lampard's doing a good job. Um, I, I see him having a lot of success there. He, he, you know, there's nobody that knows Chelsea better than Frank Lampard. Um, and, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, how he plays it with, like, these new signings and these other guys that are – coming up and stuff. Um, I mean, I thought Tammy Abraham had a great season, but what's going to happen with him, with Werner coming in. Uh, and I mean, I hate to ever cheer for Chelsea, but Christian Pulisic is 
played out of his freaking mind. Um, and as yeah. long as he's him, he might be able to to compete forever. I agree. I mean, the game he had the other day where he was subbed in and immediately they were back in. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Such a such a change immediately with the player coming back on. I think uh, Frank Lampard did as good as well. I think, um, you know, and what I really liked with the whole Pulisic situation is like people were really hounding him to start Pulisic. And he didn't start Pulisic until he really felt Pulisic was ready. And when he did think he was ready, he did that, right? He's not like some other coaches that like say that and then end up like driving a player away because they have their own system that they're kind of not wanting to change. You know, he did recognize Pulisic and he did start him and now he's the focal point, you know? So I do think um, as long as he remains the focal point, I agree. The signings are a little weird and Timo Werner's great, uh, but you really need to play for him. He's very much not a individual player. So I don't know how much I'd like him better than Tammy Abraham. Uh, He's younger. He's maybe a little faster, but uh, no, he's not younger. He's just a little faster. Um, But yeah, I'm not sold on Tino Werner as a player in general. I I think if you've been watching the Bundesliga, he's, he's let up so many easy chances, so many easy chances I mean, just left and right, and it's just it, it kind of reminds you of a Gonzalo Higuain story where he's like really good, but he's just not he's just got some something he needs to figure out. And he's young, so maybe he will figure it out. Um, but I just don't think that's what the solution to their problems are. I think their midfield is is for me is fine. You know, you have Angolo Conte, you have Kovac, Kovacic playing so well this season. Um He's so, I think they're, he's so inconsistent, though. No, like besides Conte, no one in that midfield is consistent, like at all. Right. Okay, that's fair. But I think I would rather have a midfield that's inconsistent than the backline and goalkeeper that they have. They don't have one. That, they that, don't have one. I mean, the midfield, fine, be a little inconsistent. But if you're going to have that, you better have a good back line. And that back line was Swiss cheese, and behind them was a keeper that didn't trust himself, and they didn't trust him either. I mean. I don't know how much longer they hold on to Keppa, truthfully. Like Keppa has apparently, not tr- apparently he's they're already exploring the options. They should. They should. Yeah. Go get Pope from Burnley. Honestly. Like, go get a good goalie. Just like it's there's too many good goalies out there right now to and playing for bad teams th- to like, you know, not go get a goalie. Like, I understand you paid a lot of money for Keppa and it didn't work out. That sucks. Don't be Manchester United and sign him on just because maybe he'll be better next year. You know, just really, you know, let the let it go. Because it's not just about him doing poorly. Um, it's also about the defenders not trusting him. That's just it. You see, he doesn't have control of his back line. And that's not something that changes overnight. So I think defense, goalie, what they need to change. And I mean, Kai Havertz is another... Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, two players that lit up the Bundesliga. But let me tell you, inconsistent as they come. Kai Havertz did really great for a good span of time. And he is a young guy. So he has some room to grow. But he's not going to help you out midfield-wise. He's another player that you need to play too, right? And in a team that you have Pulisic kind of pulling the strings, I don't know how much it calls for two players that you need to play for, like Werner, like Kai Havertz. I think Ziyech is a good signing. You know, they do need that right wing. It's been like William, it's been Pedro. They do need a younger guy out there. So I think that that's a good call. 
might be the Aryan Robin of the future. Who knows? But like, I do think that their back line is what they need to focus on. Um, Lester finishing in fifth, uh, but they were top three for most of the term. So really it's a disappointment. Are they a top seven team next season? I mean, what? I, it doesn't seem like they can hold that. What do you think they can do to evolve falling out? Like, it seems like they're going to. Well, you know, the Leicester situation is weird because, like, like you said, they are top, they were top three all season. Like, I feel like there's no way they don't have like a little disappointment in in like in themselves and everything. But fifth is still their second best finish in the Premier League ever. Like, this is still their second best, like, so I, it's one of those, like, dang, but, like, they can't be that disappointed. Besides the winning year, like, this is as good as they've ever done. Um, I, I think they can stay top seven. I think they, like, they were smart after they won. And, I mean, obviously it helps when you win and you get a lot of money. But they got a lot of good young guys, like Chilwell, Damari Gray, Tilleman started playing well for them. Madison just signed that new contract. There's times where Ahianacho looks a lot better than he ever did with City. Um, so I think they have enough young talent and young talent that seems to enjoy being at the club and like playing at the club to to stay there. Um, and I also just like, as far as top seven goes, I don't really know, like, Arsenal and Spurs and, like, Wolves – if I was Lester, don't scare me that much. Um, especially with like the young guys that they have and young guys who now have, have played together for a couple years. Um, so I think they can still stay seven. Of course, Vardy and Schmeichel are, are getting older. And again, it's kind of like the, the city thing where when you lose those sort of talismans and stuff, like sometimes those guys can just do so much just leadership wise. Um, that that makes a, a massive impact, um, and I don't. Also, I don't see Vardy Price scoring twenty three goals again. So goals are going to uh, come from somewhere. Um, so these young guys are going to have to step up, and and you know that's like Jesse Lingard. You, you can't always just be a young guy with potential. Like eventually, you become not a young guy if you're not an old man who can't not, score <laughs> like you should. Then your young potential was was for naught. Um, but yeah, I think they got enough young guys there. They, you know, maybe they do sell one of those young players and, and see if they can start kind of youthening up that, that back line. Um, I don't know how much more Wes Morgan has in him. I didn't know Wes Morgan was still playing. Dude, I, I saw him and I was like, we're still living. When you told me that I was like, I literally had the same reaction, like, Five minutes earlier. I thought he retired after they won. I yeah. legit, I was like, he retired. Right off right? in the sunset. But no, Wes is just going to keep on. I mean, I love Wes Morgan. Don't get me wrong. But um, he's he's not a spring chicken. Is that the is that the same? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think chicken. they. He can't run. The dude can't run anymore. <laughs> yeah, he can't. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have the ability. I You know, I guess like kind of the question I have for them is, is how do you guys come into next season? Like I said, still a great season, second best season for them of all time, but they're going to be disappointed. There's just no way around it. Um, how do you come into next season? And what's, what's your mindset of, do you believe that you can challenge for a champion spot again? Or is that kind of failure going to be in the back of your head? Is that going to affect how you play? Right. I mean, 
I have a little less faith in Leicester, and I disagree. I think if I'm Leicester and I'm looking at Arsenal and Tottenham, yes, they did not do well this season. But if I have my best day versus Tottenham's best day or my best day versus Arsenal's best day, I lose both of those matches easily. So I just, in that respect, I think I am a little bit worried. That you they think they easily win. beat Arsenal? At top you, think Arsenal, you think Arsenal easily beats them? At top strength? Absolutely. If Arsenal can play oh, the players that they have. I don't know if you watch Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Obama Yang is playing better. If Lacazette can figure his shit out, they have also Nicola Pepe. If they figure their defense out, they're much better than Leicester. Right. Figuring out, but they have to figure out their defense. That's right. But Leicester <laughs> also has giving, to figure you're out their Arsenal, defense. You're giving Arsenal too much of a pass of just being like, well, okay. if they figure out the defense and have their best day, like, I agree. Obama Yang's incredible. Like, if half if the rest of their lineup could play as good as Aubameyang, then I would be with you. But Arsenal has a lot of questions to get answered before their best day is like for sure better than Leicester. Okay, here's what I'm saying though: it wouldn't be a pretty defensive game because they neither of them have defenses. But let me test you this: you have a in a game where defense is non-existent for both of these teams, right? You have one front line with Nicola Pepe, Alexander Lacazette, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and you have the other one with Jamie Vardy and, Ke- and Iheanacho. Which one are you taking, bud? Which one are you taking? It's easily it's, it's Arsenal's front line. Well, easily, but, we're not, but we're not just talking about front lines. Like, yeah, I'm going to take has defense. Neither like, has defenses. Leicester has, a, Leicester has a better midfield. Arsenal's not good right now. I think they improved a lot towards the end. I think that... I don't think that they're going to challenge anybody at the top. Don't get me wrong. I do think for those Europa League places, they challenge next year. I think Arteta has a lot of young players that he can work with, and he's going to get rid of some of the dumb players that he has been working with. And, you know, I think Aubameyang continues to do well. I think Lacazette either needs to ship or go. There is some chances, but I'm just saying as Leicester, I don't look at Spurs and Arsenal as two teams that I can count out. I absolutely don't. I think they can no, both I wouldn't, be I wouldn't, count, I wouldn't count them out. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm not – I don't I don't think it's fair to Leicester to be like, for sure, Arsenal and Spurs are better than them no, right now. No, but that's not what I, I said. I think they're all I think they're all level is, is, is more okay. what I'm saying. Okay, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Because here's what I'll say. The, the statement I was trying to make is like Spurs and Arsenal playing their best and Leicester playing their best, those two teams have better players than Leicester do. However, they're not playing their best. And Leicester is playing better football than them. And that's ultimately what happened this season. So what I'm worried about with Leicester is, can they keep their midfield? You know, can they keep James, uh, you know, James Madison is there or keeping, but can they keep Ndidi? Can they keep kind of the stability of their midfield? Can Iheanacho find his form? Because he he's still inconsistent. Like, he's still not the striker that can take over for Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy is not going to be able to score 23 goals next season. He shouldn't be expected to. I mean, honestly, if I'm Lester, I'm going to say it. I go out, sign Danny Ings, Danny Ings, Jamie Vardy, same team. I am here for it. They are. That would be, I would love that. I would love that. They would be my favorite team in the Premier League by a long shot. Because, I mean, and how could you say, like, oh, Jamie Vardy, Danny Ings together had 50 goals last season? Like, truly. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. Oh, boy. But they do need to find a striker. I'm not even saying it needs to be a young striker, but they do need to find an established striker 
you know, that can, 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 can put the ball in the goal when Vardy can't, you know? And then certainly, to, uh, certainly a younger striker. A younger. <laughs> I'm not saying he, he doesn't have, he has to be in his 20s, but he has to be like 32 and under. Like 32 and under is what I'm asking for, right? Like, honestly, at this yeah. point, sign Giroud. I don't care. Do it. I, you know, he's doing, he's doing fine. That so, wouldn't be a bad signing. That wouldn't be a bad signing at all. I just think they need one more striker to compliment him. Um, and, you know, there's just so many out there. I don't know why you wouldn't sign one, especially a guy that's, you know, maybe past his high-paying days. Uh, but someone who can put the, the ball in the back of the net. And then I think you spend your money on, on a defender. My problem is also, Leicester, you're right, it's their second best finish. How many players want to come to Leicester? I still don't know that question, that answer, you know? If it's like, oh, I'm a young player, do I want to come to Leicester? Do I want to come to Tottenham? Do I want to come to Leicester? Do I want to come to Arsenal? I don't know how level that playing field still is. So it'll be interesting to see who they can sign to fill in, for example, defensive gaps. Because defensive gaps, you want some established players that probably want more money. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see who can, they can get. Um, I don't, know. I don't know, but I do think that they're not like counted out. I just do think that they do need to shore up the defense if they want to stay top seven next year. Um, obviously, finish underneath them. We talked about it already. Spurs barely qualify for Europe. Uh, you know, Jose Mourinho in his first year uh, with Tottenham. You know, I, I, my thought about it is, you know, eh, they're not worse off than when at the end of Pochettino's time. I think. That's, uh, I think that's being say, kind. I, I, at the end of Pochettino's time, Pochettino had them losing seven zero no. to Bayern, and, and no, I mean your just your your reaction of eh, I think that's being kind to to uh, it, it, yeah. That's fair. It, it was it was eh, <laughs> that was like no comment is what I'm gonna say. No comment. Like I, I he could have finished worse off is is what I'm saying. But like they they were miserable at times this season. I mean it, and they had a lot of injuries, obviously. So hard to say what that would have made. I don't usually look into injuries all that much because everybody has injuries. So it's just kind of right. like, I don't really look into that unless it's like major, major ones. Um, and, you know, you know, for me, they, they need some defensive stability. I mean, I, I was looking at some of the back lines they were putting up this season. It was truly like, who do you think you're going to stop? Like you're basically hoping Deverson Sanchez just slide tackles everybody in the vicinity of the box at this point, you know, and Eric Jeer is like far past the days where he's like consistent He's constantly giving up penalties, and it's ridiculous. So, and you need an offensive identity as well. Like Harry Kane did great this season, you know, much better than I expected him to um, coming off the injury. But uh, you know, that can't be your main point because he's just he he can show sometimes that he's a player that can do it himself. But I do think you need some kind of new offensive identity. Um, just one more player. Obviously, you have Son and you have Dele Alli coming back, but you do need one more player. I think to kind of give you a little more in that offense. What do you think, bud? Yeah, I mean, I, was, I maybe I still just have a bad taste in my mouth with Jose, but and, – and I thought, too, like, just, like, his reaction of, like, being so pumped about the Europa League, like, it just felt like typical Jose, though, like, trying to play the the, the media game. Um, I don't know how he can be happy. I Like, they – they're weird because, obviously, they just – Lost in the Champions League final last year. Like the the team, obviously has the talent to to compete with a lot of players. Um, I agree with you. Where like I, I think Harry Kane 
I think it's even almost like it's not even Harry Kane's fault. Like I think they ask him to try and do too much. And like sometimes those other players are like they just don't help him out. Um, but you got a guy like Kane, you got a guy like Son. Deli Ali's still young and and extremely talented. My question is when are those like players gonna like is, is Tottenham really gonna break in and be you know, a Chelsea, a United, a Liverpool, or are they going to kind of always just be right on the outside? Um, and if that's the case, when do those really talented players decide, you know, to move on to greener pastures? And I think, that, and I think when you get a coach like Jose, who doesn't always get along with all his players, I wonder if, if those greener pastures are going to come sooner rather than later. Um, I, I, I mean, we'll get into this later, but I don't see Mourinho being the coach of Tottenham at this time next year. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was a, a pretty disappointing campaign for Spurs. I know they haven't added anyone, um, and they they need to, but they have enough players to, to do better than they did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I it's hard. I, I do think that they have the tools there that they need to make that step up if they have some luck injury wise and they kind of sign a couple more people, but it does become like, you know, the fate of the fifth place team a little bit. Like what, you know, how long are they going to be that team? It's uh, yeah, they do have to break in eventually. I mean, for the longest time Spurs has been the, you know, the fifth wheel just always, you know, right. always there. Always the, the the bridesmaid, never the bride. It's always yeah. that's kind of what Truly. it means. Truly. And, they, uh, and they've gotten so close, like like making the Champions League fight. Like you kind of felt like, oh, maybe that was them like getting over this hump and, and really starting to be like a continual, you know, per- perennial team that's that's competing for the top four spot and everything. And this year felt like like a step back. It definitely was. I mean it it, it absolutely was. Um and I mean that Champions League final, you kind of saw it. They were not great in that Champions League final. Yeah. That game was boring and they did not have any kind of impetus. So I I definitely think if there's a team, and we'll we'll cover this later, but if there's a team that I expect to maybe even take another step back, it's just like you don't want can I say something? You don't want we can have a whole episode about Jose Mourinho, so I'm not gonna go <laughs> into it, but like you don't want Jose Mourinho in charge of a team that needs to find their identity. That can't be what he's there for. No. Like truthfully, he's great at coming in when a team is almost always almost solved, solving the last piece and having a good season. That's what I'll give Jose Mourinho. He's really good at that. But you don't want him coming in trying to figure out your team. Absolutely not. He doesn't have the personality for that. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't any like like we've seen the guy like and like sports change, games change. Like, yes, he did a great job at Porto. Yes, he brought some terrific players to Chelsea and helped, you know, establish Chelsea. But th- those were 15 years ago. Like, the guy has shown his struggles at Real Madrid when he had more talent than you know what to do with. We know what he did at Man U. Uh, even at in like, even at Inter, like, that wasn't his team that he put together. Well, it was a great team, but like, his his success and like, kind of his way of working it is it, it like already feels like antiqued. Like it, it feels old. Um, kind of I, reminds you of Carlo Ancelotti a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like, 
I just don't. And, and I think he's such a guy that's like, I know best that he's not willing to like try and change or try and like see what he could do differently and like, and make himself a better manager. And I think that's like, I think he's holding himself back, but. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. If you've gotten anything from today's podcast, just know that uh, if you ever want to see what happens when someone, you know, doesn't go to therapy, Jose Mourinho, perfect example, someone <laughs> who just who just needs some therapy to figure out his problems. He's not he, he's not crazy, but like he spends every press conference talking about VAR and how it's unfair to him and talking about, you know, oh, well, these other teams, you know, blah, blah. They're doing all the wrong things. They have too much money. And it's like, Jose, you have that money too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. You coached Real Madrid. Like, what are you? And then you yeah. coached it when you, like, you're not playing. You're not coaching, like, teams that are struggling financially, dude. Like, right. Like, don't get mad just because other people use their money better, all right? Let's all let's all calm down. Um, all right. So finishing, obviously, just outside those top six places, you have Wolves, you have Arsenal, you have Sheffield all missing out on those European spots. I mean, who impresses you the most? Uh, you know, who's kind of a pretender in that, like, you won't see them there? And, like, what can these teams do to gain more traction next season and break into those Europa League spots at least? Well, my, I mean, I suppose my impressed me the most and pretender is sort of the same because I, I think easily the most impressive of the teams is Sheffield just because I, who saw them finishing ninth? Um, I, I think they had a t- terrific year. Um like most, like mo- more people thought they were going to be, you know, in the relegation battle than finishing the top half of the league. Um, and they, they knew their identity. They played it well, um, got points when it didn't look like they could. But I also don't like, I'm going to join the the team of people that said they weren't going to do it last year. And I, I don't see them probably finishing in the top half next year. Um, so I suppose they'd be like the pretender for me. Um, although they played great, I just don't, I mean, it's just tough for a team like that to get better, especially in comparison to to other teams. So, um, I mean, I would love to see them do it, but I I don't see them having quite the year they had this year. You know, Arsenal, and we talked about I mean, I I, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is talking about another person that's been playing out of their mind. Like, he's a world-class striker. Um, Another guy who, like, we're talking about Tottenham people looking for greener pastures. Obama Yang might start doing the same thing. Um, but that tack has promised. I mean, with him, if Lacazette can get it, Pepe started playing better. Saka, of course, they signed him to that long contract. And there's times where he, I mean, he's 18, so he has time to get better. But the midfield and the middle of that defense is just a disaster. Like they they I, I think it's time for Ozil. I love Ozil. It's time for him to go. Louise, David Louise was we're going to have an entire episode on David Luiz and Jose Mourinho. It's going to be the best thing ever. Just wait yeah. for it. <laughs> like, how, there's times where I was watching David Luiz and I was like, how did you used to be like kind of good at this sport? But Has he ever been? Truthfully. I, he was better than what he was this year. <laughs> he used to be at least like, okay, you're serviceable. Like this year it was like, dude, what are you doing? Right. Um, but I think like, yeah, I mean that attack is great. If they can get – you know, midfield and defense figured out that the attack, I think, I mean, you're talking about comparing their attack to Leicester. I think you could compare their attack to, to anyone on Aubameyang's best day, but 
I think Wolverhampton is the, is the team that has the best chance. Um, Nuno has proven himself. Like he won the championship. Then he got him to the Premier League, got him into the Europa League last year. Still has a chance to get him into the Europa League this year if Chelsea wins the FA Cup. Uh, you know, he struggled at Valencia and Porto, but he, he really like he, – he's shown his chops at Wolves. I think for them to do better or to stay where they're kind of at – because because honestly, Wolves is competing for a Europa League spot. They'll be happy. Um, and they were even – they weren't that far off from Champions League at one point. I mean, as a Man U fan, there was times where I was sweating about Wolves as much as I was about Chelsea. Um, but I think they, I think they probably need to keep Adama Traore and Raul Jimenez, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to. Um, but long term wise, I think they need to be worried about keeping Nuno. I like after what he's done, he's already been to places like Porto and Valencia. Like I, I think a bigger club is is going to come poach him. Um, but as far as next year goes, I like I like Wolves the most out of them. They just they just know who they are. They're not the most talented team, but they're pretty talented for like Wolverhampton and they just play their game and they play it well. Right. I, yeah, for me, Arsenal's kind of hot and cold. I do think that they had times at the end of the season, especially where they showed me that they can compete for those top seven spots. It's just going to depend on, right. I think I, I kind of categorize Spurs and Arsenal in the same vein where, you know, New coaches kind of trying to figure out their teams, both, you know, left to a lot much to be desired, but they do have the players there. The difference is I think Mikel Arteta will be able to reign his team a lot better than Jose Mourinho will. So I think that's why I do have some hope for Arsenal. Uh, Wolves are my most impressive team out of those three. I just think they just don't have a lot of weaknesses. They got a strong attack. They got a consistent midfield. They got good defenders. They got a decent goalkeeper. They got a good coach. I mean, truthfully, they're good. No, they're, they're good. I mean, they're a good team. And what I'll say is, and I know that this is, you know, weird to talk about, but like, just hear me out for a second. Like, Nuno Espirito Santo, the reason that Wolves is so good for me is like, he's Portuguese and he's kind of assembled Portuguese players across the field. He's got Rui yeah. Patricio on goal. He's got Jose Moutinho. Uh, jo- sorry. Jao Moutinho, uh, he's got Ruben Neves, he's got uh, Raul Jimenez up front. He's got all of these players that he's used to, and I just think that it's working for him. So I don't think – well, obviously Wolves don't want to lose him, but I also don't think that Nuno wants to leave. I think he's formed this team to be his perfect baby, and I think he wants to ride it out as long as he can. I agree. Can they keep Adama Traore? I don't think so. I think they might be able to keep Raul Jimenez – um, but you know, you replace one guy, you can. So I think as long as they don't lose too many guys and they shouldn't because they had a good finish. Um, I think you do good. And Sheffield, I mean, they were great. It was so fun watching Sheffield. It was like watching my favorite Sunday football team go in there and just beat the crap out of somebody. It was great. It was so much fun to watch. You know, it was like watching Ireland in the world cup and tie a one, one yeah. game. It was great. It was most so much fun. They won't do it again. Matt, you can't score nah. 39 goals and finish in the top nine. You can't. Like, you truthfully can't. The fact that they did it is only because they're so scrappy. It was amazing. But also because Dean Henderson was a monster this year. So I just think it was a great finish. And Sheffield fans should prepare themselves for what will be a disappointing next season. It just will be. And it's not, you know, obviously, I think the coach, I mean, what a what a great job he did. Obviously, Chris Wilder doing such a great job. Um 
we'll see what he can do. I just don't think it's, you know, people know Sheffield. It's going to be tough. If they do it again, I would love Sheffield to become the Stoke City of today. You know, just the team that you'd never want to go play. That's what I want. I would love that. Nothing makes me happier than to not want to go to Sheffield and and play Sheffield United. But we'll see. Uh, It's going to kind of take a lot. Um, All right. So let's talk about the other side of the table. Relegation. Norwich relegated miserably. They let in 75 goals. They scored 26 I mean, Nigel, you know, and Nigel Pearson for Watford, obviously another issue. Watford finishing second from the bottom. Couldn't help them find their identity. Fired with two games left and Bournemouth being the other team that's relegated on the last day. What do we think of these teams? Like what went wrong? I mean, what happened? Yeah, I mean, the the only team I feel like bad for is Bournemouth. Um, Because there was times that like Bournemouth, played well and they had like they had like a sense of identity and then they they would challenge teams even at the top um but on the restart they kind of they they almost looked like they kind of gave it up until like the last couple games then they like were like oh no we should really try and and stay up in the premier league but like for the mo- i mean for the most part which and this is like a simple not a good in-depth answer but like they just didn't have the horses like even like a team like austin villa like when you have a, a guy like Jack Grealish, like that's a big difference maker when when you're talking about like talent level and and like that stuff on the bottom of the of the table. Um, so like the teams like didn't have the players. Norwich particularly like they they never even really like discovered their identity. Um, but yeah, I it just just bad seasons and like you know that's that's the good and bad of of the relegation like system like there are just those teams that are gonna be at the bottom of the barrel and like obviously you get promoted and you can stay up that's happened to like wolves was promoted two years ago and now they're competing in europa league spots um but more often than not like those teams are just overmatched yeah, I agree. Um, <clears throat> one thing I'll say, Bournemouth. I mean, if I'm Bournemouth, I'm I'm readying up the lawyers. I'm readying up the lawyers. That VAR decision that Aston Villa got against Sheffield. That I mean, I'm not saying Bournemouth deserves to be down there. They let in more than sixty goals. You deserve to be relegated. But when you're one point off, and then the team above you got got a point, you know, from from a situation in which uh, a VAR made a clear and obvious awful error. I mean, a 2010 uh, manual Neuer getting scored on from deep error. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, yeah. I've never, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. I just think that, that they were very hard done. And I'm not saying Aston Villa, you know, didn't, they fought to stay in obviously. And they performed at the end, especially to stay in. But I just think, I'm lucky for Bournemouth. I think that they their relegation is definitely due in part to that VAR decision. Um, so that's very unlucky for them. Um, yeah, it's kind of like I mean, it's one of those situations for me because like it does suck, but it's it's kind of like I mean, like the Saints Rams pass interference call, like calls by referees are always gonna like screw or help a team out. Like every team gets gets shafted by the refs sometimes everybody gets helped out by the refs sometimes um 
And like, it's, there's, there's times where like, like if somebody calls a foul with one second to go and somebody gets to go to the free throw line and if it's a bad call, it's going to get, you know, dissected and picked apart. And there could have been a hundred bad calls in the first quarter. Um, so like I, it does suck with the timing, but unfortunately that's, that's the human error of sports, right? That's true. And like I say, different from the Saints Rams game. I mean, this team showed time and time and again that they should be at least considered for relegation. So I think that has to be put into it as well. Um, Okay, so coming up, Leeds United back in the Premier League, West Bromwich Albion back in the Premier League. Exciting stuff. Um, The third third team coming up, still to be decided, it's going to be probably Brentford today uh, beat out Swansea City for a spot in the final kind of playoff game. And it's going to be, I think... Fulham's got a 2-0 lead going in, so it's probably going to be Fulham. Uh, I mean, a lot of exciting stuff going here. I mean, Leeds kind of having that, you know, Sheffield United feel where they don't have a lot of big-name players, but they got a strong team identity led by Marcelo Bielsa, obviously a known coach. Um, I think they can do well. Only conceded 25 goals, which is great. 77 scored. I mean, it seems like a team that'll be fun to watch. And West Bromwich Albion, led by former Croatian rock star manager Slavon Bilic, formerly of West Ham. We love Slavon Bilic. Oh, we are so happy that he is back. Uh, and, and I mean, West Bromwich Albion kind of being a ragtag team of former, you know, former guys. You have Robson Canu, Charlie Austin, Karen Gibbs, all there. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I, you know, I don't know if they can go through. They kind of seem like a ragtag group, but... We'll see. So what do, what do we think? I mean, and Brentford versus Fulham with that final spot. I mean, Brentford has Ollie Watkins who scored 26 goals and Brentford has 80 goals this year. And Mitrovic for Fulham has 26 goals as well. The top of that scores table in the championship. So which of these teams do you think will do the best next year? Yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're an interesting bunch of, of teams getting promoted. Obviously Leeds, it's, it's their first time up since 2003, 2004. I mean, they're a club they're they're one of Manchester United's biggest rivals and I didn't know that in the first few years of being a Manchester United fan because they had fallen so far um but they're a team that has as much history as a lot of the teams in the Premier League um like a long history of winning in, in English football more so, history than Manchester City anyway yeah <laughs> <laughs> True. um so I like as far as like Soccer goes and Premier League goes. I think it's great that Leeds United is back. Um, They did really well in the championship. Sometimes that first year back, especially after such a hiatus, is is tough. Um, I could see them. I could see them having one of those years where they get that like that influx of cash from the Premier League, still get relegated, but just that one year of cash then kind of helps them get promoted again and then sustain uh, up there. But I think they're like. Sometimes there's teams that get promoted and you're like, you, you're not going to – like I really want Brentford to get promoted. They have been in the Premier League a, uh, a whole zero amount of times. Uh, so I would love them to get their first season and I would love them to play Fulham, which I think they will because it's a, a West London derby. But I, like, I don't really think Brentford or Fulham could stay. I think West Brom could. As you say, it's kind of got like a ragtag team. Um, and they're they're one of those teams that kind of goes up and down. So like they have used those those funds of of the Premier League to help um, 
but yeah, I think I think Leeds United has the has the best chance. But it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see like what happens with like those other teams just in in the EPL because sometimes that you know that matters mo- most. Like what happens with Austin Villa? Do they keep Jack Grealish? Does does West Ham still just keep stinking it up? Um, do Sheffield and Burnley like come down a little bit after having some of their best seasons? So sometimes you know it has more to do with with what the other teams there are going to do. But I'm excited to see these guys. I'm 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 pumped that Leeds United's back in the Premier League. Me too. I love Leeds United, and I think they've just got you know. I mean, you look on that roster, maybe one player that you can name, and it's a bunch of young guys too. So I'm very excited about them. See what they can do. I think there's so many teams in the Premier League that could drop out next season, despite being safe. I mean, Aston Villa for one, but also. I don't think Burnley will be the same because I don't think Pope's going to have the same season in goal. I don't think Sheffield's going to be the same. Brighton's not going to do as well as they did. You know, I don't think West Ham continues it up or they keep going up. But I just think there's so many. Southampton only were in because Danny Ings went off this year. They have to improve also. I mean, just a lot of teams that could go down. Um, Honestly, Everton can't play either. So that's... Who knows? I mean, honestly, there's a lot of teams that could that could be in that bottom three. Um, if Everton can't get better than like I, I still don't like. I was looking at the table today, and I was just like, "How did you guys finish 12th? Right? <laughs> How you you have good players? Like you're right. not. But. Yeah, it's truthfully. All right, so we've talked about the table, top to bottom, including the people coming up. We're going to give, uh, this is our first ever Two Beers Awards. Um, it's going to be real fun. We're going to do these more often. Uh, I'm sure that they'll all be contested. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead. Let's. Uh, do you want to start? You want me to start? We're going to switch back and forth, Matt. How do you feel? You um, I'll, you tell, you tell you give me your best goal, goalkeeper first, and then I'll go. Okay, up. so my best goalkeeper, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to push it. I, you know, I do take amount of work seriously so i i do obviously whoever lets in the most the least amount of goals whoever gets the most clean sheets i, I think agree we're gonna agree I, I i honestly i just had to, i think we're gonna agree on this one i think it's i think we both think we're having a hot take but i think we might agree i think dean henderson was the best goalkeeper this season ding 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 i think he was the best i mean he let in 39 goals and helped a sheffield team that scored 39 goals he only <laughs> scored 13 more goals than norwich who finished last place i mean how did that team stay up because dean henderson had a fourth arm coming out of his ass that's what it was yeah oh man such a great I mean, a young guy when i think played out of his mind you make a great point of like it's so easy like yeah ederson won and like ederson did well but like ederson's getting so much more help than dean henderson Right. And same with Allison as well. Both great keepers. Both obviously let in less goals than Dean Henderson. But I just think that uh, you, you can't discount his thing. And obviously, I take it season by season. And I know that he's a young guy. But I, I think you got to give it to him. I think it's – and honestly, for me, Allison or Ederson are not even second for me. For me, second would be Burnley's keeper for the same exact reason. Because he had to play for his clean sheets every minute of those 90 minutes. He truthfully did. And they held up and they did well. So Dean Henderson, congratulations on the Two Beers Award for Best Goalkeeper. Congratulations for the new starting role at Manchester United. It's going to be real great. Can't wait to see you there. Um, all right. Best Defender. Who are you giving Best Defender to, bud? You know, this is a... Hey, Scarlett wants to talk. 
Scarlett, you trying to get in? Scarlett wanted to give her best defender. She's biased, Ooh. though. She's biased, um, though. <laughs> you know, this was a tough one. I, I honestly did think it had to go to a Liverpool player. Um, and I love Rob, Rubberson and, and Arnold, but I think they even do, like, more on the attack and impact the game. I, it's an easy – like, it's, it's, it's the easy answer, but I, I'm giving it to Virgil van Dyke. The guy, it just, like, he doesn't lose jump balls. He just has that back line so secure. Just, like, to, like, what Liverpool – like, because Klopp had them going in the right direction, and, and Salah and Mane and, and all of them were playing well. And since he's joined, they've made the Champions League final two times in a row. They've won their first Premier League title. The guy, like, I hate to say it as a Man U fan, but the guy's a monster, and he just impacts the game so much. Right. I agree. I'm going to agree with you here, too. I think there's a lot of people that can say other defenders, obviously I'm also not going to give it, you know, if we had like a top 11, obviously like I put Ale- uh, Trent Alexander Arnold in there. Um, but yeah, I just think in terms of pure defender, we haven't seen a pure defender like Virgil van Dyke that just leads from the back, you know, makes very little mistakes, attacks at the corners and is just a leader back there. Um, I mean, Allison barely has to do anything because he leads everything back there. Uh, so I yeah. just think Virgil van Dyke, obvious choice for best defender. Congratulations. Biggest award you've ever won. I'm sure individually, uh, <laughs> we'll have it ready. We'll have it ready for you. <laughs> it's getting made in the trophy shop right now. Your right now. Getting- you can put the Belanda or in the trash cause you've made it my friend. Um, yeah. okay. Best midfielder. We, this is where we might disagree. We might, I don't know. Um, again, for me, this is, there are so many options, you know, especially the term midfielder is such a, such a generic term, uh, obviously with so many different kinds of midfielders. I just don't know how you don't give it to Kevin De Bruyne. He is right. the best midfielder like, was, in the Premier League. Say, I was like, I think we're getting angry on this world. one. I don't think this one's, cl- he, he was the best player in the Premier League this year. Yeah, he is by a long shot. Best best player in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, got those twenty assists. Just keeps getting better. You know, thirty three goals and assists together. I just, man, the guy is on fire, um, and it's just unstoppable. Obviously, so obviously, he's got like you know great weapons around him, but had one hundred and thirty one key passes, almost forty more than the second place player. One hundred and twenty four passes into the penalty area, more than. 30 more than the second player. Like the guy, he just creates so much more than anybody else. Right. Yeah. He's just truly, he's just truly the best. Honestly, for me, Belanda or wise, if it had happened this season, um, outside of Lewandowski and the two legends, obviously he's the next up for me. I mean, he just is, he's just so great. So consistent. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to say. So best midfielder. Wow, guys, I really, I'm sorry. I wanted to be more exciting with Matt here, but we just keep agreeing. And you know why? Because <laughs> we're smart and that's just what it is. We are going to disagree here. We are going to disagree here. It's fine. We are going to disagree right now, I think. Best forward, Matthew, who is your best forward? Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what you got. I got Danny Ng. Ah, yes, Danny Ings. I don't have that, but I love Danny Ings. I love Danny Ings. Um. Highest goals per 90 minutes with 0.71. He had 22 goals to Vardy's 23. Just beat out, missed out on Vardy. But he only had one uh, penalty kick goal compared to Vardy's four. 
which like, I mean, obviously still a goal, still counts, but more, more goals in the open play. And like, like you said earlier about South Southampton, like dude, put the team on his back. Dude put the team on his back on his bare back up the mountain. He put his team truthfully. He has the traps of a goatsman. I mean, honestly, he's just, <laughs> I mean, that the right term? Is it goatsman? I don't know. You know what I mean? Those, <laughs> no, I know. Right? Just, now I'm just intrigued if, if that is the right term. I hope it is because it just I has a great so. thing to it. It does. I want to be a goatsman for sure. Um, <laughs> I agree. I mean, Danny Yang's, what a season. Um, you know, it was really nice seeing him and Vardy at the top. Obviously, a weird season in terms of scoring. You know, the top goals being 23, a kind of a lower term, a lower goal count, but lots of people up there. I have the other 22 goal person as my best forward. I have Pierre Emerick, Obama Yang. Nice. Um, I put him a little bit of, in front of of my second, which would be um, Mo Salah, simply because of the assists and goals ratio for him. But I mean, 22 goals improved greatly, became the focal point of that Arsenal attack, even though you know Lacazette disappointed and Pepe disappointed and Saka was inconsistent. He really, you know, was able to create that, give them a forward and kind of find his best form again, uh, which I'm really happy for him uh, because he's such a threat, especially when he can get stuff done. So I like Obama Yang as my best forward. Uh, I think he just keeps moving forward. And I agree. He should go to a different team if if Arsenal can't get their stuff together. You know who would, you know, love to sign him, I'm sure. I mean, honestly, go to Tottenham. Freaking do it. Harry yeah. King and Pierre-Emerick Obama Yang, fucking do it. I'm down for that. I'm sure Arsenal fans would love that. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. I'm creating a nightmare for you here. Um, I, I agree, though. I had, I honestly, I went back and forth between Obama Yang and Ings because, especially the way Obama Yang finished the season, like Obama Yang finished the season as, as good as any player in the Premier League. Right. Yeah. I mean, true. He's just, yeah, he was on fire and he was unstoppable. And he showed that in every tournament that he was in at the end. Um, okay. <clears throat> so, best and worst team. Obviously, this is a little redundant. Uh, we put these in here. I'm going to just ask you, in terms of the best team being the number one and the worst team being the last place, do you have any deviation? Uh, I, I do. Best team oh, I have do. Liverpool. I mean, Okay, like, so we both have Liverpool for best I team. Not. They had a, okay. one of the most dominant wins. You know, a great team. And they, they played enjoyable soccer to watch. Uh, my worst team, I had West Ham. West Ham. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. Oh my gosh, call the police. Like survived survived relegation only by five points, but with the resources and the talent they have, you know, they started the year under Manuel Pellegrini. The guys won the the EPL, like he he's a very capable manager. Uh then had the sack in midway through. So then they just go and they sign David Moyes again after not retaining him after the end of last year. Moyes can't even really figure it out. Like West Ham is, they just built a new stadium a couple of years ago. That's like this absolutely beautiful, like place to play soccer. They're in the middle of London. Like their team, just like expectation wise, should be held to more than than the bottom three. So yeah, I, worst team was was to West Ham for me. Oh boy, yeah. See, I I I I can't say that that's wrong. They were they had a lot of. 
misgivings there. I mean, I still had to pick Norwich. They were not fun to watch. They had no composure. They had no goals. I just put boo in my notes. I put boo. I can't. I, can't, I certainly can't argue against that choice. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. And so for the final award we're going to give out is team to watch um, for next year. Um, oh, don't, don't forget best coach. Oh, best coach. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Why don't you give me? Who's your best yeah. coach? No, I want to hear, hear your best coach. Chris Wilder. Sheffield United coach Chris Same. Wilder. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, to lead a team to such unity that they can only score 39 goals and finish, you know, off a Europa League spot by a couple points. I mean, what a great job he did. And you could see his players like playing for him. They have a spirit over there. It it really does feel like you're watching a smaller country, but like a national team, like that they all have a kind of vision around them and understanding of each other. I mean... McBurnley is my favorite player ever. Like, I just want to watch Oliver McBurnley ever. Like, I just want to watch him score and then get red carded every game of my life. That's really all I want. I mean, truthfully, I want him to yell at everybody. I still love that Ireland in the World Cup comparison because that's so spot on. Right, right. As an Irishman, I can tell you that that is ding, ding, ding. Right. It's yeah, the same. Right. They're so fun to watch. Obviously, we're not sure if they're going to get back up there ever again, but they're so fun to watch. I mean, yeah. truthfully, I got great. no I got no problem with with Klopp winning like Premier League manager of the year. Like they won it. They were great. First title. But yeah, for me, it was it was Chris Wilder through and through. Right. Good. I'm glad. And then team to watch. Who did you have, buddy? Uh, bias alert. Bias alert. Uh, I, I got Manchester United. Like, I mean, as I said, like Bruno Fernandez when he came there, and even he, like, you know, sometimes, as we said, with young players and Greenwood, like, you kind of you start out well, and sometimes that you see that too with the transfer, and he certainly kind of cooled off a bit. But just the impact he made, uh, the impact that Greenwood made, Ole still has got some work to do, but he, there were times where, especially attacking-wise, like, he, he was showing some, some good managerial ship. Um, I'm I'm not putting him up against the best managers in the world, but the guy's figuring out, and I hope they give him time. Um, but yeah, I just think those partnerships, like the partnerships up front with Greenwood, Martial, Rashford in the middle with Pogba and Bruno, like I, I think there's a lot to to look forward to and be optimistic about with this team. I like that. Yeah, and the and I will say the reason I didn't consider Manchester United is because they're already a team to watch for me. They've been one, so. They're already a team up there. I'm going to give mine to Wolves. Uh, you know, they just got a, such great players across the board. Good identity. They've basically got the the players of a top flight team with the identity of a Sheffield. It's it's like the perfect combination there. As long as they don't lose too many players and add a defender or maybe a young midfielder, I mean, they're in business. They can definitely compete for that higher Europa League spot and push those Champions League teams. They won't win a title, but they are a team to watch. All right, so we're going to give some quick fire predictions Real quick, Matt, who wins next year? Liverpool. What about you? Liverpool. Absolutely. I think all the teams will compete a little more. I think Liverpool still gets it. Who's going to make the biggest jump next year? I'm going to mention them earlier. I'm going to go Everton. Just, I mean, they were insanely disappointed. They still got the players. Carlo Ancelotti is, has, has lost it a bit, but he's still, he's still a capable enough manager, I expect, to, to get this team to, to improve better than 12. Yes. I agree that um, I'm going to go and I'm not going to say because they're going to jump up so many places, but I do think they shore up the defense. I think Lampard's smart. I think Chelsea makes the biggest jump defensively to kind of compete in the top four. 
I do think that they are trying to sign players to make that jump. Uh, and we'll see, depending on who they get. But I think Chelsea makes the biggest jump. Who falls the farthest? Burnley. Burnley, okay. I'm going between Burnley and Sheffield, but I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give Chris Wilder uh, the benefit of the doubt that he'll be able to hang on a little bit more. I, you know, they, I mean, Burnley finished tenth, um, and so I think, and it might even be less of them doing poorly as much as some of the teams behind them, like Everton. Uh, Southampton does have good teams uh, or good squad um, doing better um, and and kind of more matching the the level that they should be playing at. Okay, yeah, and I'm gonna say Brighton. I think I I just mm. Brighton's team makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I truly think that they finish last next year. I mean, that's just I just don't see they they've they've skated by on ties for two years now, and eventually the floor is gonna fall out from them, and I think it becomes next year. So that's who falls for me the most. Um, all right, which coach gets fired? I mentioned him earlier, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. I also have Jose Mourinho. I just <laughs> think there's too many good coaches out there. Um, honestly, you know who I think would be great? And he just got booted from the Milan job. So Milan was going to hire Ralph Ranić, right? And they were going to hire Ralph Ranić from Germany to take over. But then Stefan Pioli was doing so well that they decided not to do that. Ralph Ranić is a guy who loves to coach, but he wants to take over a team, basically. He wants to help them redefine themselves, both as the sporting director and the manager. And what better team to do that that needs that, I think, is Spurs. They need to figure their shit out, and I think that would be a good fit for them. Um, so I think that's good. Okay, not something that I prepared you for. Give me a hot take. Give me a, like, give me, think about it for a second. I got one prepared. Think about it for a second. A hot take of something that's going to happen in the Premier League next season. Something that I'm going to that I'm going to say no way. Something that you wouldn't bet money on, okay? That happens next year? That happens next year. I'm going to give you mine, and this is going to make you angry, and it's okay. Um, I think my hot take is that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets fired at the end of next season, and here's why. I think that Manchester United finished third. There's still like an air of there's, there's some stuff that could be done soon, they, I think they're, like you said, they are two years off of finding their best form. I think next year they make a little more push, you know, and all of that. But now that they're in the Champions League and now that they did finish top three, I, I just think the people at the top in Manchester United, they're going to get in their heads about like, this is where we need to be. And if they make any step backwards, if they don't perform in the Champions League, if they finish fourth or fifth in the Premier League, I think a coach like Mauricio Pochettino is available and they fire Ole because he's had a couple years. I think that, you know, it is possible that they fall back two places because it's not that far from the other teams. Um, and we'll see. I think they'd need to shore up their defense. But if they don't, I think Ole gets fired at the end of next season. I certainly hope not. I hope they don't. Like, just the the mindset of the the management. Like, you guys have to understand how far you've dug this hole for yourselves where, like, you got to let – they're going to have to let somebody – like, it's not going to be a quick fix like they've kept trying to do with Van Gaal and, and Jose and have you. Of course. Uh-huh. And Roy Keane came out on the TV, on TV and obviously was like, well, of course they made Champions League. That's what's expected. What, am I going to give them a parade for that? I'm like, Roy Keane, <laughs> yes, you are going to give them a parade. Do you remember the Manchester United team that played two years ago? I mean, truthfully, yeah. they couldn't win a single game. They were like – Struggling to survive. So, yes. They were boring to watch. Boring to watch. Okay. Give me a hot take. Um, Harry Kane leaves Tottenham. 
Oh, Harry Kane leaves Tottenham. Who buys Harry Kane? I don't, I don't know where he's going. But he, <laughs> he's not. He's going to be out of a Tottenham. It, yeah. Harry Kane. Love, um, another player I would love to see lead the front line for Leicester. I would love to see that. You know, Leicester with Jamie Vardy and, and Harry Kane would love to see that. Um, I miss the days of two forwards up front. I really do. I miss those days. You don't see that anymore. So I do miss those days. Me too. Uh, I do. Cause it's just so exciting to watch. And I get that you want to have those field wider, but if there's a team that can do it, I'm here for it. Um, all right. Well, that's all I got for the premier league today. Um, Matt. So, you know, we got another episode coming out soon. Uh, the NHL is coming back. The NBA is coming back tomorrow. Uh, I guess this episode will release tomorrow. So, Let's just say it's coming back tonight. Um, MLB's back for now. For now, baseball's back. We'll see. Um, I mean, what are you looking forward to the most? Basketball. Basketball is back. Can LeBron James grab the title? He's got games against the Clippers and the Raptors this weekend. I mean, I am excited to see the King back in action. Yannick, I, I don't want you to answer this question yet, but I want you to marinate on it. Okay. If the Chicago Cubs had <laughs> had uh, broken their curse this year in this like COVID shortened season, do you think it would have meant less? The Chicago. Okay. The Chicago Cubs broke their curse this year. Um, Quarter season, sixty, like all that stuff. Do you think it would have been? Do you think like Cubs? Maybe not even just like. With like sports fans, like with Cubs fans, do you think Cubs fans would kind of be like, oh, eh. okay, you know what? I can't answer that question right now, though. I can't answer that question. Good. I think with Cubs fans, I don't think it means any less. I don't think it means any less at all. I think, you know, it's a curse broken. I don't care when I win the tournament, you know, it doesn't even matter. I, I think for other teams and for an analysts, maybe it means less. Obviously, baseball was the most affected by this um, shortening. Because, you know, now one game means like seven because of how short everything is. So I do get that that kind of has an impact. But like, and I think you'll agree with me here. At the end of the day, things happen in sports. You have error, you have injuries, and now you have a pandemic. And you know what you have to do at the end of every day? Go out there and play still. And that's what you got to do, right? Look at the MLS Cup is back, right? You have all these excuses about, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know who the best team in the league still is? LAFC. You have all these examples of, oh, Bundesliga coming back, yada, yada, yada. You know who still wins? Bayern Munich. You know who still wins the Scudetto? Juventus. You know who still wins La Liga? Real Madrid. They, you just, when you are a team that is, that is good, you perform, right? And I just don't. If you're meant to perform, you're meant to perform. I don't think it would mean any less if the Cubs won this year. I think the Cubs are doing great. I think they do have a chance this year. I also don't think it means any less if LeBron wins this year. I just think that's such an excuse and such a dumb argument to make. Obviously, it's different. But you know what else is different? When Michael Jordan won, when all those other players were injured. Why are we counting those if we're not counting this season, you know? It doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, it might be harder because he has less games to make error in. So, like... You know, it, it that whole argument to me is a silly and, you know, not worth it argument. You know, you can say, yeah. Well, at the time, you know, I think sometimes it can, like, possibly feel that way. But, like, 90, 98, 99 NBA season was shortened because of the lockout. 
when everybody looks back on that season, nobody's like, well, the Spurs only won in that lockout shortened season. They just say the Spurs won. Right. Like, like there's no like historically, like in the moment, it might feel a little like, ah, this wasn't, but like it looking back historically, no one's ever like, well, that year was they don't give like those sort of like caveats to it. Right. That's like me. That's like looking back at the 60s and being like, well, the Celtics, Bill Russell wouldn't have won enough rings if they could shoot three pointers. And it's like, yeah, well, no shit. <laughs> right. But that's not what was happening at the they time. They didn't. Right. It's, that's like looking back at 1930 and being like, well, Uruguay only won the World Cup because there was eight teams. And it's like, well, you know what? They still got one more World Cup win than right. you. So Maybe. like, what? <laughs> so is what are you going to say? Yeah, exactly. So I think a win is a win is a win. If someone went out and said, okay, if someone went out and said the Cubs won this year and it wasn't like they won out or anything like that and said that was the best championship season of all time, fine. I'll have an argument about it. I'll have an argument about it, of course. But if you're saying if it's relevant versus not relevant, that just to me is doing sports a disservice. The point of sports is that there is some stuff thrown your way or not thrown your way. And that's just what it is. Right. Um, last thing I want to hey, give, I got it. Scarlett really wants to, really yeah. wants to get in this. She's one. the one. Um, she's honestly the hot take giver. She's the hot take. She's like, oh my goodness, Manchester United's getting relegated next season, and Spurs are getting relegated next season. Uh, forget Chelsea; they're getting relegated next season. She's got all the hot takes. It's gonna be so great. Um, the last thing I want to do before we kind of go on this on tap episode and thank you for joining us uh it's been a lot of fun it went a lot longer uh than i thought it would but you know what it was all worth it good conversations with matt smith about the premier league season um i just want to extend a special congratulations to Alyssa, and i don't know how to say the last name nakin nakin not exactly sure but Alyssa nakin is what i'm going to say first ever female major league baseball coach for the san francisco giants I mean, really great to see a good female representation uh, in sports always, but also on the, on the coaching and, and officiating side. I think it's important to see um, for, you know, younger women and also for like the sports community in, in total, you know, not just that women can play sports, but also women can lead sports. I think that's important. Well, it's always, it's always been my thing too, where I'm like, if Gina Oriema can be a really good women's basketball coach, like, He's probably just a good basketball coach. Like, I, you're a good coach. You're a good coach. What's what's the difference? But uh, yeah, I, congratulations to her and well done by the Giants. Right, exactly. And I hope it just provides the, the you know the kind of groundwork for more uh, uh, hirings like this. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you stay safe. Wear a mask. Register to vote all that good stuff. And we will see you here again soon. We got another episode coming your way. So subscribe to us on Spotify, hit that like button on Facebook, Instagram. You can find us all over. And until then, drink a beer and have a good day. Cheers, y'all.